0: Miracy.
1: But I'm not afraid to have the hard conversations. I'm not afraid to push back and challenge people and take them into a deeper sense of clarity and getting what they need, even if it means it's an awkward conversation.
2: Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Amy, the founder and CEO of Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey, Danny. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Today's guest is Melanie Benson. Melanie is the creator of the Guest Expert System, as well as the host of the Amplify Your Business podcast. Welcome, Melanie.
1: Thanks, Danny. Hi, Abe. Nice to see you guys. So let's start with the
2: 30,000-foot picture. Tell us who you are, tell us what you do, tell us how you came to be doing it and eventually how that bled into the world of online courses.
1: I started my business in 2000, and I was focused on helping people get out of overwhelm. I don't know, do you guys know anybody that gets overwhelmed running their business? (laughs) No, never. What's overwhelm? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. don't know what that feeling's like. I had a very big market for that, and it took me a little while to figure out what my message was and how to get any traction. I came out of the corporate marketplace. They don't market courses and programs and offerings in the corporate market the way we do. So there is a steep learning curve. And once I figured that out, I found that there was a lot of market. uh, Actually, I should say getting out of overwhelm kind of led to helping people create a lifestyle business. So that was a big focus. And eventually I kind of found my great passion and love around helping people learn how to leverage the power of podcasting on both sides of the microphone and create the right message that helps them stand out. And I saw as a rule, people who were making six figures or more were not spending all their time delivering in one-to-one. They had courses, they had online programs, they had masterminds, they had a way to deliver what they did from a one-to-many perspective. And the click happened for me when I decided, oh, I'm going to create a digital product. And I offered it first as an online course. And my course sold out in like 48 hours. It was on getting out of overwhelm. And this was back in, I don't know, 2004, I guess it was. And I thought, oh, I think I'm onto something here. (laughs) I no longer am trapped having to make income by selling an hour of my time, which also, as someone who was a trained coach, just blew open the possibilities for making a greater impact and helping more lives because I was no longer having to see one client at a time, I could work with a group of people. And that really took off for me. So I've pretty much had a group course ever since that very first Get Out of Overwhelm program that I taught in 2004.
2: Awesome. So tell us about your current iteration of the program that you're offering, which I imagine is very different from, well, actually, let's start with that. How is it different from that first program that you introduced all those years ago?
1: Yeah, how it's different is I I made a couple of decisions along the way. I like being actively involved in the transformation process with my clients. I like being able to leverage my time and not have to teach the same thing over and over and over again. So I was looking for a way where I could be the coach and bring my coaching in real time and not just send people into an on-demand training that has a lower percentage of people that complete it. And now we call them cohorts. I guess that's the new term for it, but I saw it as a hybrid coaching where I have on-demand training. I have modules that I teach to guide people through the process of really um, uncovering the right message to bring out to the world as a guest expert. And then I also bring what we call mini-workshops. So there's workshops every other week to help people bring whatever they're wanting to master in the steps. And we workshop it, not just with me as the coach, but getting feedback from other participants so that they're walking away with clarity. And so we might tackle like what their topic is that they're going to bring to a podcast. We might tackle how are they going to pitch this coveted show that they've been dying to get on. We might workshop, How, uh, what they're going to talk about that's going to bring meaning and value and leave the audience really intrigued and wanting more from them, but also delivering massive value. So we just pull the pieces apart. And and so I really like having a hands-on approach. I think it works better. I find my clients get better results with that program.
2: What does that workshopping process actually look like? If I'm a student of yours and I show up for one of these workshops, what happens? How does it go?
1: Well, it's basically designed as a live Q&A call, but I like to call it like we're going to workshop whatever part of the process that they're on. Because I think sometimes people get intimidated to bring a question and they think, oh, you know, what if that question sounds dumb or, you know, people get in their head or it's like, I haven't worked the process yet. I don't know what question to ask. So I started saying, let's workshop whatever stage you are at so that you feel like you're going to move something forward and it's going to leave you with a sense of what action to take now. So I just call it workshopping it because it's like a Q&A call, but I wanted to bring a little more action into it.
0: What have you found most effective to make that format work for people?
1: Well, I think what makes it really effective is that people don't have to be all at the same stage of the process. So on one of our last live calls, one client was workshopping her topic. She was realizing she wanted to take a new program and do a podcast tour around it. So she was working out like a new topic. And so she was bringing different topics and getting feedback live from me and the group. And I think that's, it's not just me with the expertise. Sometimes it's what is the audience resonating with? And so being able to get that in front of other members and get feedback from them is really helpful. But I like to say, hey, tell me where you're at in the process. What are you not clear on? Where are you feeling stuck? What is it you need help with? And then we use a Facebook group to let people check in and share, okay, here's my one sheet or here's the uh, the pitch I wrote. Can you give me some feedback on how this would come across on emails? So getting people to be prepared and come in with an intention really helps get them more value out of the Q&A calls.
2: What sort of training or prompts or support do you provide for people to do that preparation to get the most out of those workshopping sessions?
1: So the... Foundation of the guest expert system is five modules where I take them through the five key parts of not just getting booked on shows and virtual summits and whatever that platform is. We specialize a lot in podcasts, but it can be any platform, but also to get a profitable return on the investment of time and energy. And so the five modules take people through who's the right audience. So there's an entire worksheet on who is my audience. And I think as course creators, we all know how important knowing who our ideal client is. Well, that is just as important. If you're going to be in front of an audience, you're ultimately wanting to attract potential clients and maybe even potential partners. And a lot of people are just saying yes to any opportunity that comes their way. So I think it's just as important to know your audience. And so they would work on that worksheet. And if they get stuck, it's like, well, I don't know, like, Who's going to have this audience that begins to bring them to state of clarity, bring it to the workshop. Let's figure out if this is who you think your ideal audience is, where are those audiences going to be hosted? So each module has a worksheet, has like a specific action step to complete to move that forward. And so I have training, I have a worksheet, and then we have the Q&As or what I call my little workshop opportunities for them to get clarity. So it's not an idea they're learning. It's I am implementing this as I go and getting results because my promise is that by the end of the time we spend together, which right now is 10 weeks, that they actually are uh, getting booked on shows, on podcasts, on virtual summits. So they're getting real-time feedback. How well is this working and what do I need to fix so that I'm getting more bookings on the shows that are in front of my ideal audiences?
0: I mean, one of the challenges with that type of live facilitation is it can sometimes kind of go all over the place. Do you have like tips or tricks for other course creators who you might want to dip their toes into similar formats for like how to keep them on track and and help participants really move forward through these workshop style experiences?
1: That's a good question. I think part of it depends on how is your content designed to flow? Like, do you have step by step? Or are you teaching chunks that can be interchangeable? So my chunks are a little interchangeable. Like there is a flow to it, but also you may be having one particular step that you're going to need to focus on right now. And everybody can be at different stages and that's okay. But if everybody has to follow the same process, I think there has to be some kind of accountability. So I think this is where our technology can come in play, where you can have a way to check off. I finished this step, I'm now moving to the next one. So you know where people are in the roadmap that you've designed for them to follow. When it comes to facilitation, I think it honestly like has a lot to do with the strength of the mentor or the coach, whatever you call yourself. You have to be really good at keeping people on track. And I think that being really clear how to bring your question into the conversation, I think being really clear how much time you're going to spend with somebody because people love to have more time, right? They want as much time as they can have. And so I'm really good at setting boundaries around things, and I think that's what makes it work for me. It's like, okay, we've got 10 minutes for each spotlight today, or you know, we have more people today, so everybody's going to get five minutes, and saying, look, I know that you want that clear. That's the second question. Hang tight. I'm going to get to the next person, and if we have time at the end, I'll circle back to the second part of your question. And I think that's a skill that we have to develop and learn if we're going to have open Q&A or hot seat calls, which some people call them is you have to know how to facilitate a powerful call and keep everybody engaged and learning from each other. Because I think that's where some people get lost. It's like they get bored with other people's questions. It's an art to know how to help everybody get value out of everything that's happening in that person who's in the hot seat, if you will.
2: So I know some course creators who feel very apprehensive about that format because there's always a concern about like, what about the question that comes out of left field? What about the aggrieved client who decides to bring out their challenge in this public context rather than through a proper channel? What about the question that puts me on the spot? and I'm not sure how to answer it. Have you ever had situations like that? And how would you counsel someone to handle them?
1: That's such a great question, Danny. So I haven't had this happen very often. And the one time it happened, it was totally my fault because I didn't set the container right. What I would say we need to do is if you're asked a question that you don't know how to answer, I think sometimes it's okay to say, I don't know that the context of that question is going to be able to get answered today. However, I want to make sure a question gets answered. So let's schedule a one-on-one call or I'm going to follow up with you. You know, I think sometimes we feel like we have to have everything perfect and figured out. I believe as coaches, when you're a trained and certified coach, you have to remember your job isn't to know all the answers. It's to know how to ask the right questions to help people get to answers they need. And sometimes it's going to be saying, I don't know the answer. And sometimes it's going to be asking a question that's going to get to the root of what they really need that may or may not be the question they asked. And that's a coaching skill that I think we have to maybe learn how to do if we don't know how to do that. So when it has happened for me, and it only happened one time where it was super awkward and it was a very awkward moment for me. I had to take a breath. (laughs) So I had been a part of somebody's uh, program and I offered a package where they got, I don't even remember what the product was now, but they got this program that was on demand and I held a live Q&A call and somehow one of the people got it in their mind that this was supposed to be me teaching. She didn't bring a question. And so on the call with everybody there, she was saying that she wasn't happy. And so I took a breath and I said, I hear you're not happy. Can you tell me what you were looking for that isn't happening right now? And she, I don't remember what she said exactly, but she said, I thought this was supposed to be you sharing some more tips. And I said, if there was a tip you needed to hear, what is an area that you want more support around? And so I just used my coaching skills to dig in. And I said, look, my goal is to help you get everything you need. And if we're not getting to what you need today on this group call, please let me know because I will be happy to meet with you one-on-one to figure out how to get you what you need. And I just tried to meet her where she was and take her where she really wanted to be. And I think she happened to be one of those people that was a little bit of a negative Nelly anyway. (laughs) And honestly, that was not a client. That was somebody who bought a product that I had no relationship with. And what I find is that when I have a relationship with people, which is my coaching style, it's the way that I build my programs, that those issues go down, opportunity goes up. But I'm not afraid to have the hard conversations. I'm not afraid to push back and challenge people and take them into a deeper sense of clarity and getting what they need, even if it means it's an awkward conversation. And that might be the coaching skills that I have.
2: I know we've covered a lot. I feel like, Melanie, you're very like concise.
1: <laughs> well, that is part of my messaging training, so.
2: <laughs> that was super helpful. Thank you.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
2: Abe, do you want to do the readout?
0: Yes. Melanie Benson is the host of the Amplify Your Business podcast. She's an authority amplifier and the creator of the Guest Expert System. To find out more about her, head on over to MelanieBenson.com. That's MelanieBenson.com.
2: Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. Abe, where shall we begin? I guess the theme that was
0: coming out for me here with Melanie was around kind of facilitation and the opportunity, but also the challenge of live facilitation as as part of your teaching. You know, we've been seeing over the last uh, couple of years kind of a surge of interest in cohort-based courses and more live and interactive education formats in general. But I think a piece that's been missing from that conversation is that you can just take a course format um, and then schedule it on the calendar with eight hour-long teaching sessions and, like, magically have a ton of engagement. And I think that's still kind of where a lot of, you know, quote unquote cohort based or or live courses are. But as Melanie shared in her example, what she's found working with students is it actually is much more about getting them to take action and to work through real problems um, in a live format rather than just translating traditional structured content into a live format. So, you know, I think a lot of people who come from and interactive, in-person teaching background I may be familiar with that, but it, it's still a really important insight, and I think, being overlooked in a lot of the courses that we're seeing today.
2: I agree. I really, we came at this from a whole bunch of different directions in the conversation, but a lot of it really did center around that aspect of facilitation. And that ongoing structure, interestingly, is one she kind of fell into by accident. Her intention was to create an air quotes, info product or digital product. And she essentially piloted a live cohort-based facilitated version as a first round. Then she was like, I like this. This works well. And that self-awareness of building around what you like, you know, she said, well, what do I like? I like being actively involved in the transformation. What do I not like? You know, repeating myself, saying the same thing again and again and again, not having any leverage. And, you know, she built the experience around that. And I feel like that's something that often gets lost when People look at like, you know, this or that formula or blueprint for a course that kind of implies everyone has to do it this way, right? There are, of course, best practices, but you get to choose from those tools and those best practices, the ones that fit your style and your goals. And it doesn't matter how good or effective a tool or process is. If you personally are very bad at that, or you just really don't like that, it's not going to work very well. So I like that. And then kind of looping back to facilitation, I really appreciated the story and example she shared of kind of being confronted with a challenging student asking challenging questions in a live group environment. And what I took away from that story kind of on the meta lesson is that whereas the natural instinct would be to either get defensive because you're feeling judged and attacked by this person, or to kind of start arguing the reasonableness or factualness of the assumptions. You know, I thought this was going to be more training. You could easily say, well, what gave you that impression? We didn't say that. We didn't publicize it. It's not my fault, et cetera. But kind of an active focusing not on is what they're saying accurate, not on are they right, not on is it fair, but just on what does this person need right now? right? How can I support this person listening for The unmet need behind the complaint, because every every complaint is really a more or less direct and effective articulation of an unmet need, and so listening for what is that unmet need and digging straight into that, I thought was both an important lesson and it was uh, very powerfully illustrated.
0: There's an opportunity, you know, for a lot of course creators to listen to this and then just to kind of do a reflection or do an audit of the live sessions that they're currently offering, if they are, and look at. Are you incorporating the formats that Melanie talks about, right? Like, are you actually having participants do something meaningful in your live calls? Are you actually workshopping in a sense, right? Are you getting people to take actions and then share their work? Are you getting people to do a hot seat and present what they're working on in, in a writing class, present their writing or in a business or marketing class to present their business strategy or marketing strategy? Or is it more at the level of, you know, just kind of Q&A or waiting to see if people have specific questions? And if you're not doing that type of more in-depth practice and feedback and analysis in your course, that could be a really interesting opportunity to dive into.
2: Awesome. I don't have anything else. You want to do the readout?
0: Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Riziku, here with Danny Eaney, founder and CEO of Miracy. CourseLab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Just Between Coaches and Making It. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Goverton assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. Another thanks to Melody Benson for coming onto the show today. Remember, you can learn more about her and how to be an expert podcast guest over at melaniebenson.com. And to make sure you don't miss the excellent episodes coming up on Course Lab, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you enjoy the show, go ahead and leave us a starred review. It really does make a difference. Thank you. And we'll see you next time.
2: All right. I think we're good. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on.
3: All right. Are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind the scenes kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. I'm Melinda Cohen and your host for
1: this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great framing. That's a a really great
0: way to think about it.
2: Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing
1: to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing.
3: My favorite part of having the hard conversation is... Ooh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. So while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah. Because we're not
1: there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions, we're there to guide our people towards solutions.
2: And, and I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing.
3: I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively and we want to rise to that level.
2: That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them.
1: People have to know a little bit about
3: what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well,
0: first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's
3: resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you.
2: The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative, it becomes toxic.
3: I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach.
1: I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be
3: is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording Why are you stopping the recording? This is going to be fun.
3: (laughs) Oh, my gosh that's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.